0: It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Howard Beck. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
1: Drive time appearance here in the 5 o'clock hour. No big deal. Howard, happy Friday. Gentlemen, how are you? Hey, we are doing great. Thanks for jumping on with us, Uh, as always. We appreciate it. Uh, Howard, I'm sure you you saw the story about the Jazz flight on Tuesday. Donovan Mitchell misses on Wednesday. He talked about it today. He's got anxiety when it, it comes to flying. But my question to you, I guess, is how impressive is the win Wednesday over Memphis? Not only it's their third win in six days over the Grizzlies, but they did it without Donovan Mitchell and after that experience.
2: Yeah. You know, that'll shake anybody, anybody up. I've been on as, I mean, I, I can't count how many flights I've been on in the last 24 years of covering the league, although none in the last year, which is also weird. Um, and you know, scary moments happen. You hit some turbulence or whatever, but I've never been part of some emergency landing or, you know, engines being on fire in midair. So, uh, I can only imagine how much uh, that was uh, rattling and and something that that clearly can stay with you. And I'll blame Donovan Mitchell a, a bit for needing a little bit of time to kind of uh, you know gather himself for that. I mean, you know we've talked many times about their the the jazz's um, their potential as well as their limitations. And, and when I talk about them, you know with you guys, i often say, you know, Donovan Mitchell is the offensive engine. As great as Rudy is defensively, that team is, is you know, generally going as far in terms of their offensive dynamism as Donovan Mitchell will take them. And Mike Conley, for all of his skills, you know, given his age, and he was never the most explosive offensive player anyway, um, that they could, you know, still, you know, run their stuff, manufacture uh, an offense against a, a, a really, you know, you know, very talented and competitive young team um I, I i thought spoke very well of them and you know not surprising necessarily but good to see nonetheless because you never know you know whether it's injury or whether it's foul trouble or just a bad night or whatever you, you you know knowing that you can uh rest on everybody else and that things will keep humming is is always a good sign
0: howard you Jake and I, neither one of us are really homers. We don't see ourselves that way, nor do we operate that way. But I think I can speak for you, Jake. Check me if I'm wrong on this. But as we've watched this team week after week after week and talking with you week after week after week, I think both of us are, 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 are getting, <laughs> gaining more respect for this team and that it really is a real contender. That's what it looks like to us. Now, we know we haven't seen it in the playoffs yet, but it sure seems that way watching this team game by game. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you know, when a team suddenly makes a leap, um,
2: as the Jazz have this season, or you could say the same thing of the Phoenix Suns this season, which is an even bigger leap given that they you know, hadn't been in the playoffs in 10 years and suddenly are you know, among the top two in the West by record. You, know, you always, you know, a month in, you go, oh, well, that, that's nice. I didn't see that coming. Well, let's see if it lasts. And then you know, another few weeks, another month. And, oh, well, yeah, I guess this looks legit, but let's see how things look you know, after the All-Star break. Or let's see what happens after they have some adversity. And then when a team keeps doing it as the Jazz have, you think, oh, okay. This this is who they are now. And so I I think that's safe to conclude. I think the interesting thing, though, too, though, is is that, you know, of course, they're going to be measured by however far they go in in the postseason, and it just feels like it keeps getting more and more crowded. I mean, you know, a few weeks ago, if we were having this discussion, and we probably did, I would say, uh, yes, the Jazz look legit. Let's see how they do against, you know, say the Lakers or Clippers. But – you know, the Suns are still hanging there. And so more and more, like, the, the conversations you guys have there in Utah and about, well, why isn't everybody else on board yet? Or what you know is, is the national media or other fans, you know, do they see that the Jazz are for real? You can bet that the Suns are having this same kind of complex about, well, how come we don't have the respect yet? How come people aren't talking about us as a contender? Because people are more willing to talk about the Jazz as a contender than the Suns at this stage. And I think there's still more um skepticism about Phoenix because I think probably also because they've come so far so fast. So um but they're in this, you know. I think they're in this as legitimately as as the Jazz are and the Lakers and Clippers haven't gone anywhere, injuries at the of the moment notwithstanding. And the Nuggets as we discussed last week getting Aaron Gordon was a huge pickup and they've been looked they looked fantastic since they got him. And so I mean, I don't know when the last time we had a legitimate like five-way race is, and that's no disrespect, by the way, to Portland or anybody else who's still trying to get into this thing, but I think there's five teams that I wouldn't be surprised if they represented. I'd be more surprised by some than others. I'd be very surprised by Phoenix, given where they've come from, but, um, but, but it shouldn't be a stunner, given what they've done so far.
1: Should the Lakers be worried about how far they fall seeding-wise before they get their guys back, or is it just a sense that when LeBron and AD get back, it doesn't matter where they're seated?
2: I'm of the belief, as you guys know, that a veteran team, and especially one that's as accomplished as the Lakers are, defending champions, plenty of players who have been through everything, seen it all, they don't need home court advantage, especially in a season where home court doesn't provide as many advantages as normal. And I don't think it, I'm not worried about matchups. I'm not worried about anything. If they're full, if they're at full health, then the Lakers can beat anybody from whichever spot in the standings there is. There is that. However, this is the first year of the play-in tournament. And if you're not top six, you're not guaranteed anything. If you're seven or eight, you play each other. The winner gets the seventh seed. The loser has to play the winner of nine versus 10. So if, You know, God forbid something happens in that first play-in game, seven versus eight. Someone stubs their toe, turns an ankle. You get in foul trouble. You lose a game. Now you're one loss away from not making the playoffs, and you go up against a ninth or tenth seed that might be the Warriors with Steph Curry. Or maybe it's, you know, the Grizzlies with, you know, John Morant. I mean, all it takes is is one bad night or one – unfortunate event, like I say, injuries, foul trouble, whatever. So that's playing with fire. You know, could the, could the Lakers be the first team ever <laughs> to win a championship coming from the 10th spot? Yes, they, they could. I don't think it's advisable. And I do think there has to be at least some concern, not to overstate it, but some concern that they don't fall too far in the standings.
0: Howard, a team that's uh, just a few blocks away from you are, the Brooklyn Nets seem to be rounding into form. They've won 8 of 10. What do you make of what's going on here? We've sort of been studying them all year long. Are you uh, are, are you impressed by what you're seeing now?
2: You know, it's interesting. If we reel back to January when they first make the trade for Harden, the skepticism about the Nets at that point would be, all right, first – how are these three high-usage guys going to get along and play well together and, and, and integrate themselves? Because that's not always as easy as it sounds. And the second concern would be, well, I don't know if they've got enough defense. And then the third concern would be, well, they just gave up all their depth to get and Do they even have a full rotation? And for a while, it looked kind of sketchy. Well, now they've got Blake Griffin. Granted, not the old Blake Griffin, but still. Uh, that they, he's still solid Blake Griffin. They've got LaMarcus Aldridge, not the all-star version of LaMarcus Aldridge, but still a very solid player, as we saw in his debut with them. And the depth doesn't look like that much of a concern. And Durant's been out injured for, you know, a month or whatever it's been. And James Harden has been spectacular and to the point where people are talking about him as an MVP candidate, despite the fact that he dogged the first few weeks of the season while in Houston. And so, I think the Nets are obviously very much legit. There are still some questions about, you know, how how high of a, uh, you know, how, how effective their defense can be um, in the postseason against other potent teams. But their offense is so great that maybe it doesn't matter. And yeah, their their depth issues don't seem as concerning now that they've picked up a couple of guys off off the buyout market.
1: Howard Beck with us, uh, ninety-seven-five and twelve-eighty, the zone. Just curious about this because you know New York is is a Knicks town, and the Nets have historically been secondary. You know, similar to the Lakers and the Clippers uh, out in Los Angeles. Uh, the Nets are the best team in the East. They have three superstars, but who gets more headlines in the Big Apple? The Nets or the Knicks?
2: Um, you know, I I don't look at the tabs every day. And that's that's really where the headlines are. You know, the, the New York Times, my old employer, does not really cover uh, the local teams on a regular basis anymore. So you've got the tabs, the, po- the New York Post, the New York Daily News. You've got Newsday out Long Island. You've got the Bergen record in Jersey. Like, those are the, the papers that cover both teams regularly. I don't see them all, so it's hard for me to say. I think if you turn on talk radio, they'd still be talking more about the Knicks being a 500 team and the possibility of making the playoffs, or even in a bad year, you know, let's say they lose the next 10 in a row and it's panic about are they going to make the playoffs, that will still probably garner more attention, more chatter than anything that the Nets do, even though the Nets have three future Hall of Famers who are three of the best offensive players we've ever seen (laughs) and they might even win a championship. Um, It would take years of the Nets being at a really high level while the Knicks are still dragging before you would see the scales tip, I think. And even then, I mean, it's it, it, it's going to take a long time. The Nets have been in New York City proper for less than a decade. And so I think these things are generational. You have to have, you know, that the fan uh, investment and emotional investment built up over years and generations before you really have that kind of foothold. And the Clippers have been in L.A. for decades and decades. Granted, they were a complete disaster for most of it and under a terrible owner, but even during their Lob City era, which was the best you know, five-year run that they've ever had, at a time when the Lakers were down, it didn't make a difference. All, all the headlines in the L.A. Times or the local newspapers were, were still going to be about the Lakers, and I just think the Clippers and Nets you know, have an uphill battle, to say the least, when it comes to trying to steal you know,
0: a, a share of not just fandom but coverage. I guess the bad news there, Howard, is it's hard to climb over that kind of establishment. Uh, on the other hand, for those teams, once you establish yourself as something, uh, I mean, it seems like it's pretty hard to erode away uh, that that establishment. Especially, like, look at the Knicks. I mean, what of the? When was the last time the Knicks were really somehow important?
2: Yeah, I mean their last time being relevant in terms of postseason was 2013 when they went to the second round and got knocked out by the Pacers, and they haven't been back to the playoffs since, if I recall correctly. So, and the you know the Lakers, excuse me, the um, the Knicks in general over the last 20 years have been mostly a disaster. In fact, they've got the worst record in the NBA over the last 20 years. So, despite that. You know they they haven't really lost that much ground in terms of support. You know Knicks fans are stubborn that way. You know as any great fan base is. You know you're supposed to be with your team through good times and bad, and you know it doesn't matter that the Knicks haven't won a championship since since 1973. They're still treated as if they are this you know uh, this iconic franchise, this storied franchise, and they are in some way. But all that story and all that <laughs> all all of their icondom. Uh, is rooted in things that happened forty something years ago but it, it's it, there's an aura there
0: and it and there's nothing seemingly that can shatter it last well, since we' me- talking can I can I butt in with one more thing Jake as it relates to the nets uh, Jake and I were talking earlier Howard about about uh, Kevin Durant and the league uh, finding him fifty thousand dollars for his involvement in that social media exchange. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. It was pretty aggressive yes, on both sides. I and saw it. How, how do you feel about the NBA jumping in on stuff like that and issuing fines?
2: You know, the the uh, criticism, if there would be any of the league's actions, would be, well, this was a private conversation that was never meant to be public. Okay. Well, Donald Sterling's recording, the recording that got him booted from the NBA – was a private conversation with his mistress who decided to leak it. But once those words are out there, once it's public, it doesn't really matter whether this is something said in the privacy of your own home or the privacy of a phone call or the privacy of an of a Instagram DM exchange or whatever it was that Kevin Durant had with Michael Rappaport. The fact is it's out there. You represent this league. And if you're Kevin Durant, you represent this league in a really important way as one of the all-time great players, as one of today's biggest stars, just as Donald Sterling as one of 30, 30 franchise owners had a responsibility. And so once it's public, you know the league's responsibility is to look out for the league's reputation and to hold its members at any level accountable. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sure if you're Donald Sterling, you felt burned. Well, tough. <laughs> Don't be a racist. And in the Kevin Durant case, you know, don't use those kinds of, of homophobic slurs and, and and language even in a, a private exchange. And not because you think it may become public, but just because, you know, you hope you hope people know better. And so um, the whole thing was ugly. The whole episode, when I first saw it the other day, first I thought maybe this is a prank. Maybe these screenshots were fabricated. Then you come to realize, no, it really is them. And then you think, well, Got it. Is this a big put on? Is this some, like? Is, Michael Rapaport loves to stir it up. And I thought, well, maybe that maybe these, they're in this together. Except that Kevin Durant comes off really badly. They both come off badly, but Durant in particular. And then no, it, it doesn't seem like this was a put on or anything else. This was real, and and it was it was pretty ugly. Um, grown men acting that way, by the way, is is just kind of appalling. Anyway, like grow up folks. Um, and that's for both of them. I just, it's, it's really just disappointing stuff to see. And you know, the NBA had no choice, especially given the nature of what Durant said that they had to, to find him
1: Howard. Thank you very much. As always, we appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Appreciate it, fellas. Talk to you next week. Thanks Howard. It's a great Howard Beck, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated. He jumps on with us each and every Friday here on the big show. We appreciate uh, him coming on in the 5 o'clock hour this week. That uh, certainly was nice.